Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland, currently in Myrtle Beach. Hello from the beach. Today's date is Tuesday, June 21st, and today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous in the chapter Into Action, and we are on page 73, the last line on that page, starting with the words, we must be entirely honest. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Nadia B., Martha Z., Katie F., Anita L., and Hoodie. The reference number for yesterday, Tuesday, uh, Monday, June 20th, is 8846. That is 8846. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Anita L. to read the 12 steps, please. Go ahead, Anita. Good morning. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Anita. I'm going to now ask for Hoodie to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Hoodie. Good morning, Amy. This is Hoodie R., um, recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. 
personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the other, to the other compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Nine, eight, um, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, and films. And 12, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all our traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Hoodie. Thanks for filling in. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose identifies as com- to identify as compulsive overeaters only. And if you run over the three minutes, you'll just hear me say quietly, time. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then, please remember to press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, everyone should be um, excuse me, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study in the chapter Into Action on page 73 down at the very bottom with that last sentence, we must be entirely honest. And I'm going to ask for Nadia B. to get us started. Go ahead, Nadia. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader in Connecticut. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and of course will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone or, uh, ordinated 
ordained by an established religion. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. And so for me, you know, when I read this book, it is a book of instruction for me. And now with this, in this chapter into action. And uh, so what I see here are the directions. I must be entirely honest with somebody uh, in this step. So I prepare to be entirely honest um, because now that I have this, you know, inventory that I wrote, um, you know, I see how dishonesty really didn't work for me. And um, the book suggests that, uh, you know, I am entirely honest. And this step is intimate and confidential. So, you know, instructions are here on how to pick a person, how to choose a person um, that um, is, you know, that will be um, appropriate. And for me, you know, when I was picking that person, actually, honestly, everyone else that I could choose, but my sponsor was on my inventory list. Um, so, you know, it was really easy for me to choose a person that I actually trusted. And um, this sentence helps me um, to choose that person also. He says here, of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. And so with this step, I needed someone that could, you know, that I trusted, um, that could keep confidence and who understood me. And by this point, I think for me, my sponsor was the person that understood my mind um, the best and, you know, who's gone through this process with me and um, explained to me how to do this, um, this steps, uh, you know, in order for them to be effective. Because I have done the fourth step um, in the past where I could not see my part in anything. And so I needed help. I needed help to um, see my part and to understand how my mind works myself. So uh, for me, my sponsor was the one that who understood me. And um, I guess uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Great. Nadia B., thank you so much for your service. We'll now open up for those who would like to share. Nessa R. On top and Larry. This is Bella. Can I share? Liz. And Janice M. R. Larry. Bella. Vasa. Amy E. Janice M. Amy E. Janice M. Sally A. Sally A. Okay, I've got Nessa R, Larry K, Bella, Vasa O, Amy E, Janice M, Sally A. I think I might have missed someone in the middle there. Did I? Kim G. Kim G. actually spoke up. Kim? 
All right, maybe that's who I missed, so sorry. Okay, so here's the lineup. Nessa R, Larry K, Bella G, Vasa O, Amy E, Janice M, Sally A, and Kim G. Great lineup, folks. Let's go ahead. Nessa R, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, A Vision for You. This is Nessa R, a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, I'm so grateful that um, I am in program today, 81 years after the founding of AA. Um, and when this book was um, was written, uh, published, there were no sponsors. There was no, n- not a big fellowship. Uh, and people had to go out of the rooms in order to find confidence to, to give their step force to. And, you know, we don't have to do that today necessarily. We can if we want to. But, you know, I know I didn't have to. I didn't have to hunt for someone who would understand what it's like to be me. And I can just only imagine how hard it is to explain to a to a non-addict, a non-compulsive overeater, you know, why we have to do these things and what it is like to, to, to live in my skin, you know, how I feel, how I think, how I behave with food, um, and in all matters of life. And so, you know, the only thing I had to do was choose the right sponsor and... Uh, you know, when I um, when I looked for sponsors, there were there were a lot of people who were in normal bodies, but they weren't necessarily recovered. Some of them did say they were recovered, but they didn't behave recovered. You know, there were people with normal bodies who were still needy, and um, some people were angry. Some of them were arrogant. You know what they had accomplished, and I didn't want any of that. Um, you know, when I saw my sponsor, um, she had everything I wanted. Of course, she had the normal body, but she had such a nice disposition to her, um, humility, uh, peace of mind. Um, you know, and it's somebody who, you know, had issues in her life, you know, challenges and problems, and yet, you know, she just radiated that calmness, that sense of knowledge and wisdom and peace about her. That's what I wanted and that's whom I chose. Not only because I know that she would understand because she had been in my skin and she had done what I've done, not only with food, but you know, in life in general, mm-hmm. um, but because I wanted to be like her and I wanted to benefit from her wisdom and her experience and her feedback. Um, and so I'm, I just feel very blessed today, not only for my sponsor, but because we have a structure that supports um, our recovery, and I pass. Thank you very much. Nessa, Larry Kay, you are up, please. Oh, good morning. Thank you. Thanks for your service. Um, Larry Kay, Recovered Compulsive Reader. <clears throat> so it, it says uh, we, we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long and happily in this world. So since the big book is, is giving me a must here, you know, I, I, I better be clear on this. And, um, and in discussing my, my character defects, I'm going to be, you know, entirely free of deceit, you know, no, no soft peddling the truth, uh, massaging the details. I used to do all that stuff, uh, distorting the facts to make myself appear better. You know, it sounds easy enough, but but I got to tell you that that after engaging in decades of lies and manipulation and all that stuff, um, being entirely honest with another human being was was it was completely outside of my comfort zone. 
Um, I, I was so used to excuse making or um, often blaming the victim for causing their own victimization, you know, that it, that it took a lot of courage uh, to get completely honest. And, and here's something else I had to take a look at. And I'll call it strategic disclosure, you know, strategic disclosure. In other words, I'd withhold key information. I might exaggerate if it suited me or understate the facts. So, I, I, you know, I, I thought I'd come out looking better. And, and after all, if you truly knew the facts as, as laid out, you know, about, about any of my deceit, you, you'd reject me. And, I, and I, couldn't, I couldn't bear to deal with that. So I'm going to withhold a few of the details to, to sort of manage or control that, right? But here's my experience. Here's why honest, honest disclosure is so important. Um, as long as I took, uh, you know, or, or, you know, tried to look for a different way, a softer, easier way that I controlled, I would continue to be blocked from the sunlight of the spirit. And you might say, well, okay, big deal. You know, what is that, you know? But, you know, you know eventually I'm going to question why this practical program of action isn't working. It's not working for me. Why am I continuing to struggle in this disease of self? Why am I not changing? Why am I the only one? All you recovered people. You know, freedom is not free. I, I might just have to declare war on my dishonesty and ask my higher power for the courage and the willingness to be truthful. I, I needed to do that because, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter was I was incapable of being entirely honest with another human being. And that made all the difference in the world. There was no softer, easier way. I had to get honest with somebody. Honesty was a, was a critical piece of this, and it made all the difference in this uh, practical program of action. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Go ahead, Bella. Bella G, go ahead. Thank you. Good Thanks. morning. Good morning. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Amy, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We must be entirely honest with somebody. Wow, the word honest, that I didn't know the meaning of this word till I came to the program. You know, before program, I did believe that I am an honest person, but I wasn't honest with the fact that I am human, I am not perfect, and nobody in this world is perfect. I, my life was a war. I lived in a, in a, on a judge, on, on judging and blaming level. I judge you and I judge myself. I blame you and I blame myself. You know, I was a people pleaser. I was, I lived in a competition and I was jealous. So I didn't want to, you know, to tell people my character defect because, oh, what you will think about me. And if you will know my character defect that I didn't even uh, admit them, you know, so what you will think about me and you for sure you don't have them. So I will lose now the war. So I didn't want to talk about my character defect, not to myself, and not to nobody else because, you know, I, I am an honest person and I believe that one day I will be perfect. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And today, yes, I am honest by accepting the fact that 
I am powerless, and I am not perfect. I will never be perfect, and my goal is not to be perfect, and you are not perfect too. And, yes, I don't want to choke with my character defects. I have them not because I am punished. I have them to work on myself. And, yes, today I want to be today better than I was yesterday. And I am here to learn, to learn new things, to learn new attitudes. And, yes, I choose my sponsor to share with her my fourth steps because, my sponsor is not my teacher. She is not my therapist. She is the same as me. We are at the same level. She knows what I am going through because she is going through the same. And today I am not in competition. I am not in competition with her. I am not jealous at her. I know that she is not perfect, and she knows that I am not perfect too. And today, to be honest, this is my freedom. And today, not to keep secrets from people is my freedom. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Go ahead, Vasa O. Yes. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Amy, for your service. And I am grateful, recovered, compulsive Vita calling from Foxborough, Massachusetts. And we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. And for me, of course, I had to put abstinence first, you know. Um, and um, it was, uh, I, I needed to be honest with myself and I needed to make a decision who I was going to give my fourth step uh, to the uh, to that you know the person I chose to, and believe me, I would have gone. With, I would have died with a lot of secrets. You know, I would have gone into my grave with a lot of secrets because I was just afraid to tell people about certain things. They're not gonna like me, or you know, or, you know, um, if my family find out, I'm going to disappoint them, or then they're going to be mad at me, or whatever. But anyways, I the person that brought me in the program, she was a friend of our of me, and she was a friend of my family. So she know she knew my family, and she knew me, and she could only guide me up to her level. And a lot of stuff was coming up because once I put the food down, a lot of stuff was coming up that I had stuff that with my feelings with the food and suppressed on my feelings. So I chose to do it with a therapist. And I'm so grateful that I did it with my therapist for the first time because I knew it was going to be really confidential. It's not going to be go anywhere. It's going to be locked in the cabinets, you know, in the cabinet. And I this person is a clergy that I really didn't know he was a clergy till it came out later, you know. And uh, it, it took me a while, you know. I needed to develop a trust and trust relationship with that person before I started giving my inventory. It took maybe four or five times to see him. And then he said, okay, are you ready to give me your inventory? And I wanted to. By then, I was ready and I was willing. And I did it with him first, and he became like a father. He became like a brother to me that I didn't have 
before, you know. He listened. He didn't judge me. And I wanted to keep going back and back and forth, uh, more stuff and more stuff. And that was the best one way. And then I did it with Big Book Step Study Sponsor later, the way it's laid out uh, in this big book. But I did it with my counselor. I was so honest. I had, I mean, everything, everything that I knew to the best of my ability. And it was the most, most healing that I did at that moment, that time. And then I did it with Big Book Step Study Sponsor with a woman. And that was just amazing, too. So there's many ways we can do it, but this is my experience. Thank you very much, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Amy E., you are up. Hey there, Amy. Hi, Vision for You. It's Amy E. in Ohio, Aspen, and grateful. Um, I'm sitting here reflecting on the different fifth steps that I've done with people, and uh, not only as a sponsee, but as a sponsor, and where my experience might illuminate this um, paragraph. I find it interesting that the other honest in this paragraph is those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must and, of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. Um, I find that interesting. Uh, I'm Catholic, but I don't know that I've ever gone to a priest and given my fourth step, although there are plenty of priests who are also very well steeped in in, uh, uh, the 12-step program of recovery. Um, when I did my very first fourth step, I, <laughs> it's sort of like what I did with my love life. I grabbed the nearest person who would have me, and uh, um, she was available. Um, it took a couple of hours. She didn't really offer much input except to say you're very hard on yourself, and um, that was about it. But I felt a great sense of relief. It did feel like a real lightening of my load to speak with somebody so candidly about what I found out through this fourth step process. Later, I gave it to my sponsor. Um, But again, as as was pointed out earlier, you don't necessarily have to give it to a sponsor. Again, at the beginning when when this book was written, there wasn't really this concept of sponsorship. So people were going to priests and rabbis and ministers and best friends. Um, uh, I have chosen sponsors who... um, are, or people in the program who are close to what I'm going through. Um, I've had experiences with sponsors where uh, I had to let go of a relationship with one sponsor because she was never married and I was married and a lot of the sharing that I did around my husband brought up a certain antipathy in her around men in general. And she, uh, there was a, cer- a certain attitude that she had in the coloring of her outlook on relationships that uh, came in in her guiding me through or listening to me um, to go through my columns. And um, lastly, confidence is a big part of this. I've also had the experience of being a sponsor of somebody who was very famous, and she had a famous spouse. And when it came time to do her fourth step inventory on that, she didn't feel comfortable. And uh, she didn't complete that work with me, but she also stopped going to uh, uh, to meetings and, as far as I know, is um, not in recovery anymore. So it is very, very important that you find somebody that you really feel that you can talk completely and honestly about your situation because the truth will set you free. Thank you, Lipat. Thank you, Amy E. Janice M., please go ahead. 
<clears throat> well, good morning to you, Amy. Um, this is Janice, M, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater, and to everyone, I'm going to do the same thing. We must be entirely honest with somebody if, if we expect to live long and happily in this world. Okay, we, who are we again? We are the recovered alcoholics. That's who's writing this book because of their experience. So, I mean, you know, experience, uh, they know what they're talking about. And must means it's not optional. You know, it's not optional if, if, and I'll go back, it's it's not optional, um, which means, you know, we have a choice um, either to die or to be miserable um, or to be happy. So if you want to be happy and joyous and free, this is what it says, entirely honest. That's the word, entirely. The entirely means completely. You know, well, I'll tell her this, but I won't tell her that, which I did. So that's my experience. And I got the same results. I didn't get a spiritual awakening. Now, the reason why we say that, <clears throat> that I thought, I thought that, oh, I'm not going to, you know, I'm so afraid. I'm so afraid. No, I wasn't afraid because a recovered sponsor tells it like it is to me. You're not afraid. You're just dishonest. And that's, and I went, oh, I'm dishonest. I don't want you. That's dishonesty. Being afraid? No, dishonest. You know, uh, uh, you know, when I picked somebody, I picked one that was recovered. So why did I pick them? Because first they had the experience. Second of all, I knew that they, you know, have done the same thing as myself. Third, I knew that they knew the program. <laughs> There's nobody better that would give me some feedback than somebody that knows the program when I said sex instinct, she said, no, Janice, it's not the sex instinct. It's just that you want your self-esteem. You know, you have a low self-esteem and you want to feel loved and you want to feel this and you want to feel that. And I went, oh, you know. So, and it says somebody. That means one person. Well, for me. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because some people get up and share, they tell their whole life story, you know, all their defects, all this. And that's not what it's supposed to be. It's, you should tell somebody means one person. And when we become honest with that one person, we feel free. And then what can we do? We can share that with another newcomer on one-to-one so that they can identify with me. Um, and then they will be free. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Go ahead, Sally A. You are up. Thank you, Amy G. And Good morning to a vision for you. It's so good to be home. Um, so some really my thoughts about this paragraph, let me turn on my timer here. My thoughts are, first of all, you want me to expose myself? I've spent my whole life isolating and covering up. And as Janice was talking about, I've always been a liar. You want me to tell the truth? And then on top of that, you're telling me I get 19 words? There's not a whole lot of time to tell you why I have the resentment or the fear, and then I can't really fit in my excuses, my justifications, my explanations for why I did what I did, and give me a chance to defend myself, you know? So, you know, when I realized that that's over, Sally, we don't want to hear your excuses, your justifications, your explanations, and your defense. I was always so good at making a great defense for why I did what I did. 
We don't care, Sally. Move on. We want to know what you did. And this is this phenomenal opportunity to get it out of the dark, dank attic of your mind. That's what it's about. We have the opportunity to be freed from housing this junk in the attic of our minds. And that's a wonderful thing. And so here we are. We're talking about, I'm going to go to the second sentence. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose. Well, first of all, I've got a lot of broken trust. I don't trust God. I didn't trust God. I trust God now. And I'm learning to trust more and more. But I didn't trust men. I didn't trust women. I don't even trust my GPS. So I have broken trust in people. And rightly and naturally, we think. And this is an important sentence, I really believe, because, you see, I used to say that all roads lead to Bill. But for me, all roads lead to the bottom of page 87. That's the truth. And what does it tell me there? It tells me as we go through the day. So here's the day that you're going to choose who's going to hear all your junk. Who's going who's to see the junk as you clean out the attic of your mind. And as we go through the day, we pause when agitated, agitated being, you know, full of resentment or doubtful, full of fear, and we ask for the right thought or action. So I want to tell you that I did not pick the person who took my fifth step. I would have picked a warm, fuzzy, loving, motherly person who would have said, oh, you're not so bad, Sally. No, that's what I would have picked. God picked the person. I prayed and I asked God, rightly and naturally. This is what we're supposed to be. This is us straightened out, folks. Rightly and naturally, we think, we pause well before we choose Why? Because perhaps we might want to allow God to have a word about who we choose. Thanks for letting me share with that I pass. Thank you, Sally. Kim G., you are up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We often find such a person quick to see and to understand our problem. You know, that's so essential. You know, Someone mentioned earlier, this is assuming you don't know any people who are recovered in your area, but even within Overeaters Anonymous, you know, a lot of, I spent years thinking my problem was food and weight. So when I would do four steps with people, they, all we addressed was the food and weight. So it's not only to understand the problem that I have this allergy of the body and obsession of the mind, which, which culminates in this spiritual malady. But also, too, someone who understands the big book method. I think that's so essential. If I am doing the big book method, I need to find someone who understands that. So I'm going to go back to 64 where it tells us what is the purpose of this inventory. It says we, um, we make this decision. And so that once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us. So that's the purpose. Where the purpose is that I'm trying to find those things that are blocking me from a higher power. So I'm just going to give you an analogy, an example. I broke my ankle five and a half years ago, really bad. I wasn't supposed to even be able to walk, and I now walk without a limp. And as I was getting better and the doctor was, you know, really encouraging me to keep walking on this ankle, I said to him, I said, you know, well, is there going to be a point where I'm going to be able to run? And I have to tell you, he had a look of horror on his face. And he said, I got to tell you, he said, as an orthopedist, 
I don't like running in general. I don't like what it does to your skeletal system. I'm not going to like what it's going to do to this ankle that has this injury. But I know you also have a heart issue and you have a cardiologist. And I'm sure he's going to encourage you to run because running is really good for the heart, but it's really bad for the skeleton. And the reason I'm saying that is because I have to know, um, you know, he, he has his focus. So when it comes to therapy, for example, they often the, the idea of therapy is we're going to understand and we're going to control what's going on. And that's how I approach the fifth step. I'm going to try to figure out my life. I'm going to figure out the moment that, that my mother caused my problem and I became a compulsive overeater, and therefore I'm going to be able to control it. And that's not the purpose of a fifth step. The purpose of a fifth step is to identify those character defects which are blocking me from a power, and we're going to be propelled to six and seven to give those defects to a higher power. So if I'm going to somebody, even with an Overeaters Anonymous, who thinks this is about understanding my past so that I can figure it out so I can control my future, that's not going to be beneficial. So it was so important for me, if I'm doing this big book method, because once again, my personal experience, a lot of the four steps I did prior to this method were very interesting, but I never found freedom. So I was going to find, want to find someone who understood the big book method, found freedom, so that they can help me walk through this very important process. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Okay, we'll take a few more shares on this paragraph, and then we're going to move Katie. on. So, Katie Kimberly Allen. I've got Katie G. Kimberly well, L. Kimberly L. We'll take about two more. Anybody else? Okay. I'll stick myself in there, too. All right, we're going to go ahead. Marie V. Was it Marie? Yes. V or B? V is in Victor. Okay, great. That's mm. perfect. Katie G, Kimberly L, Amy G, Marie V. Go ahead, Katie. Amy, can you hear me? I can hear you great. Awesome. Thanks, Amy. Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic, calling in from Boston, Mass. Set my timer. Um, it's funny because... Um, well, it's not funny. You guys are all going to chuckle when you hear that I wanted to control this process. I wanted the perfect sponsor, and the perfect sponsor was not available my first time eight years ago going through the work and um, appreciated uh, what someone else said. God really put this woman in my life that I'd never met. She was a recovered alcoholic, and um, she sat with me, and um, she helped break down my walls, my first walls, and taught me things like, no, Katie, the lie is if I had what you had, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And the lie is if you did what I wanted, I wouldn't feel the way I feel. And these were lies that came up over and over and over again. And so what I've heard is so accurate that it was important that I not give it for me to a therapist because I need, needed somebody to teach me the exact nature of my wrongs because I am a hard nut to crack. Um, and I don't know where, I don't always know where I'm being dishonest. I don't know what the truth from the false is. But let me tell you, you want real freedom, like take a risk and share, like share that messiest stuff. And, you know, the messiest things, honestly, 
I mean, I guess they were the things I did, but it was more the things I thought. Like, I chronically and profoundly hated you if you were fat because I chronically and profoundly hated me when I was fat, right? And, um, you know, the ways that I wanted to punish my mom and dad. And, um, you know, recently my step tens have been showing me how entitled I am. Like at work, I'm like, my boss is going to tell me what to do. Like I'm KDG from Boston. Like who, you're my boss? Like, no. And, um, like that um, in some relationships that I look to control other people. And um, these are not to like confess my sins or whatever, but just to let you know, like I've, I have the ugly thoughts, I have the ugly behaviors, and it is only by breaking them down and revealing them, not just to God and to myself, but to another human being. So that other human being can bring me out of the bondage of self and put my hand in God's, right? Because that's the whole point as a sponsor and as a sponsee to get my hand to God's and with another person bearing witness and providing me truthful and loving guidance. One day at a time, I'm able to do that through step five and also through my step tens and eleven. So I'm going to keep showing up one more day doing it with you shoulder to shoulder and God bless. Thank you, KG. Kimberly L., go ahead, please. Hey. hey there. This is Kimberly L., recovering compulsive overeater from Georgia. So I just want to focus on we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. And, man, let me tell you, so when I sat down to do my fifth step with my sponsor, she had said to me, what are the one to two things that you just don't want to tell me? And I got them out and I felt so much relief. But the part that started becoming apparent to me that I didn't want to tell her after I got that out were all of my character defects and the consistency in which they, they came up in all of these situations was just, it was unbelievable um, what was revealed. And those are the things that I still continue to struggle with. But I am so grateful looking back that I did my fifth step with somebody who could continually show me where I was wrong. So what is it that I was doing? What defect is coming up? What lie am I telling myself? I just wanted to focus on, you have no idea what they did to me. Let me tell you. So that's what I wanted to get into. And no, 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 that is not what we focused on. We focused on where was I wrong? What did I do to set the ball rolling? What lie am I telling myself? And that was the stuff that came, that's what gave me the relief. And, I mean, it didn't feel very good, and it doesn't feel very good when I continue to see them and when they continue to crop up. But for me, that's where the freedom comes. And that's where, if I expect to live long or happily in this world, that's what I've got to focus on. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kimberly L. Marie V., go ahead, please. Good morning, everybody. This is Marie V. in Southern California, a recovered compulsive eater. 
And my experience with my first fourth step was, uh, which was out of the big book, was many years ago. And it was actually an AA. And what drew me to the person I did that inventory with was the attraction. That man spoke something I had never heard. He became my sponsor in my first month of sobriety. And I am 41 years sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, it was the language of the heart. He was 25 years sober already. He became my sponsor until the day he died, and that was almost 26 years. And we just, he got me into the big book, and he said, this is your text. You will study it every day. And when the time came, and it was not a long time, he gave me some sheets, and he says, this is an inventory, and this is what you will do. I trusted that man because he talked about things that I did. He drank the way I drank. And it's the same thing with the overeating. Once I found a sponsor in OA, I did an inventory with another man. I just happened to work better with men. I have a food sponsor in OA too. And, you know, it just works the same way for me. It's all about being honest. Because when I'm being honest with you, I'm being honest with myself. It's about self-discovery. I'm trying to find out what's wrong with me. And if I'm going around the edges, I'm BSing myself. There's nothing to learn there. That's what I've been doing all my life. I've been lying to myself. So now I'm at a point where I'm trying to find out the truth. I recently, you know, maybe six, seven months ago, I did one. Again, big book style inventory. And I found out the truth, what was going on. It was not them. It was me. Again, my thinking, thinking takes over, you know. I have the wrong perspective. I have the wrong attitude. What do I do about it? I've got to change it. Can I change it? No. I have to go to a higher power and I have to ask for help. I have to go through another human being so I can look at the defects, see what defects of character are taking over my thinking. And once again, freedom. Freedom from the bondage of self. Thank you. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Marie V. Okay, we're going to move ahead to the next paragraph. Martha Z, if you could please read the next paragraph. Good morning, Amy. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Uh, This is Martha Z. I'm a compulsive overeater recovered by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. And uh, if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed-mouthed, understanding friend. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or parents which would hurt them or make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. 
Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. The rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Good morning, my friends in recovery. And it was pointed out, it's been pointed out a couple of times in the beginning where it says we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. We are so blessed. We we have today we do have sponsors and other recovered people um who, as I describe in the big book, who will keep confidence and understand and approve at what we are doing. And I'm I I liked as I was listening, there were a couple things that people were talking about that were so important to me and the I think the most important thing was trust. You know, that we trust the person and we 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 know that they've been where we've been and but we also know that they're not going to judge us. And that to me that was just so important. Anyway, and then it talks about how we don't we can't disclose anything to others which would hurt them or make them unhappy and about not saving our skin at another person's expense. And it made me think of a time before I was in recovery where I had I had experience with with a temptation, you know, with a you know, somebody that I knew in the past came back and and um I remember, you know, telling my husband about this and he was so his trust was so shaken and even though nothing really happened it was so I could see how harmful it was, and it was, you know, I I was. I was just trying to get that off, you know, but it, it very much harmed him. And um, so it, it talks about how we tell them to people who will be understand yet be unaffected, that we must be hard on ourselves and always considerate of others. And sometimes I, I hear people and they'll be like, well, you know, it says, it, like in step nine, it says, except when to do so would injure them or others. It doesn't say ourselves. So, I mean, sometimes people will be like, well, you know, I can't talk about this because, you know, it's going to hurt me. You know, it's going to be harmful to me. And they're talking about how important it is that we be hard on ourselves. And I I just wanted to say, I think it is so important that, I think Kim pointed this out about, and, you know, and Katie G as well, to, um, be with somebody that understood what we were doing, like the big book method I really needed to be taught. And I, I did have an experience with the priest where I told him something. And when I got done, he just looked at me and he said, I didn't expect that you were going to talk about that today. That's what he said. And I, I was so every time after that, that I saw this person, I, I felt so ashamed. He's, definitely certainly didn't understand what I was trying to do and I felt very harmed by that encounter so I also liked what what a couple people talked about about I think it really is important that we pray for the right person that you know that can help us I definitely think that that's a really important thing so anyway thank you for letting me share and I pass thank you Martha okay so we have time for just a couple of shares who would like to share? Reva P. Leah M. Reva, Leah, and I'm going to get in here too if I can. So let's go with those three. I think we should be able to fit us in if we could all share. Reva P. Go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I just wanted to share about the last sentence, the rule, another must. 
is to be hard on myself. And when I first heard those words, to be hard on myself, my version of being hard on myself before program was punishing myself um, by binging if I was angry or emotional or upset. Um, And being hard on myself was me, myself, and I figuring out how to fix the food, how to fix things in my life and basically control um, myself, my body, and the world around me. And I understand now that when it says the rule is to be hard on myself, it's referring to the primary goal of this inventory process, which has been shared, which is to see the exact nature of my wrongs. It's not to... um, see what a bad person Reva is. It's to see where are my wrongs. And my wrongs have to do with my thinking because it's not just about putting the food down, as has also been shared. It's about my thinking. And I didn't know my thinking was wrong. I became aware of my resentments and my fears and my harmful conduct in relationships and the writing of Step 4. And I you know, got to that last column, but I couldn't really see all the lies, all the old beliefs, all the defective thinking that was ruling my life and destroying me and killing me and having me self-destruct with my uh, substance of choice. Um, So I need somebody who is recovered, who has gone through the process in this way, um, who can guide me. to see where my wrongs are. And being hard on myself is just discovering, uncovering, acknowledging those wrongs, and then getting through the rest of the inventory process um, so that they can be removed um, in their way and in their time. Um, But I have to remember, it's not about, you know, a moral issue of being bad or good. It's just, where am I wrong? And then correct what's wrong. And God does this, um, you know, psychic change to me as a result of doing the work. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Go ahead, Leah M. Thank you so much. I see one minute left, so let's go for that. Um, It says, uh, (laughs) you know, it may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or our parents, which will hurt them or make them unhappy. Again, we have to remember that the big book was published when there were no more than 100 uh, AAers in the entire world, so the big book tells us how to find someone. Um, We don't have that issue today. You know, we have fellowships. We have people um, who have experienced the 12 steps themselves, and, you know, they understand steps four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine, according to the big book, and you know, they have enough compassion, enough integrity, and enough insight to know exactly what the aim and the goal and the objective is here. Uh, You know, we need to come out of this process, steps four through nine, and look at life from an entirely different angle, and certainly someone who has been through the steps, who has had that similar transformation and spiritual awakening as a result of the program of recovery, is going to be able to do that guidance. Um, and I guess I'll pass it that for time purposes. Thanks. That is right. Thank you so much, Leah. And on that note, it is time. So we are going to wrap things up. Thank you, everyone, for a wonderful meeting. Thank you for everyone who has shared, and thank you to our readers, Nadia B., Martha Z., 
Anita L. and Hoodie and everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. We will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Katie F., would you please read A Vision for You? Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.